0: The Nationals have a top prospect when it comes to pitching, and that is Cade Cavalli. But what exactly is the former first-round pick ceiling after having Tommy John surgery? You are Locked On Nationals, your daily Washington Nationals podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And thank you guys for making Locked On Nationals your first listen every single day as we are free and available wherever you get your podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Clary. You can catch me over on Twitter at RyanClary11 and as well as the show page at LO underscore Nationals. And make sure to search Locked On Nationals wherever you get your podcasts, including on YouTube. Just subscribe and search Locked On Nationals. In today's show, we will be breaking down Patrick Corbin's 2023 season shocker it wasn't all that great this year but there is still a little breakdown to come and as well as a little talk about his Nationals legacy because I think this is kind of where we get into some muddy waters you could say as far as Nationals fans goes I think this is where there is some separation but I do have some thoughts on Patrick Corbin and what his legacy will be here as a Washington National entering his final year as a Nat under contract here We'll discuss that a little bit later on, but I do want to get into Cade Cavalli here real quick as obviously in spring training, had a UCL tear, Tommy John surgery, shut him down for the rest of the season, and unfortunately, we did not be able to, we weren't able to see the top five prospect in this national system, 2020 first round pick right after the Nationals won the World Series, In, I think this is kind of a sad one, to be honest with you, because when we talk about Cade Cavalli, this is someone who. I think kind of gets lost in the shuffle of all things Nationals prospects. And while all his numbers down in the minors, if you look at really any level that Cade Cavalli pitched at, this was someone who actually dominated basically at every single level. I mean, when you talk about what Cade Cavalli does, this is number one. His fastball is electric. When you talk about Cade Cavalli, that's what you have to lead off with. Talking about it right then and there, upper 90s fastball, can touch 100, has hit 101, 102 before as well, I believe. This is going to be someone who you're going to have to monitor post-Tommy John surgery because one thing's here that is pretty clear, I think, when it comes to talking about these Nationals prospects and all the top ones, former first-round picks. Yeah, the Nationals, they've had a ton of talent, a ton of pitching talent in particular, come out of the first round in the draft. But when you talk about kind of someone like Cade Cavalli, not one single pitcher since Steven Strasburg has really had the production of someone like a Cade Cavalli. Cade Cavalli was going to be a top 50 prospect in my mind. And entering this year, that was certainly kind of the expectation. A lot of people expected Cade Cavalli to come into this rotation, be a mid-round starter right away, and hopefully pitch some good quality innings, and I think for the most part, this Nationals team, that's what the expectation was for him entering this season, but kind of getting into the numbers of him throughout the last two years in the minor leagues. In 2021, his first year, he was in high A, double A, and as well as triple A, and in both those levels of high A and double A Harrisburg, he was dominant. Simple as that. Over the course of the 2021 season, with those three teams, he had a 3 ERA in 24-game starts, 123 innings pitch. But here's what's something that you should probably take note of. hundred and seventy-five strikeouts in that first big-year campaign. And again, in high-A, double-A, and as well as triple-A. Now, if you go up to triple-A, and again, When you get promoted, three different levels in one season, number one, that tells you right then and there what the organization thinks about this prospect. If you're moving someone up even after you're a first-round pick and really over the course of the 2021 season, Cade Cavalli probably could have been called up much earlier in 2022, but ultimately was not. And then we all know what happened. Made his debut against Cincinnati Reds, got rocked around a little bit. But even then, he still showed some promise. So heading into 2024, Cade Cavalli, he's not going to start the season on the opening day roster at this moment. I would expect for him to start the season maybe down in single A or whatever, rehabbing a little bit, and then working his way back up to throw five plus innings in a big league contest. So here's what the expectation should be for Cade Cavalli. Now, if you look at prospect rankings across the board, a lot of them have been dropped Cade Cavalli has been dropped out of the top 100 for basically every single prospect list that you look at but again that's not because of the fact that he still doesn't have potential he certainly does and if you look across baseball especially now more than ever who hasn't had Tommy John surgery at this point point? and really who isn't going to have it at this point in time as well there's a lot of different things to consider as far as that goes but I don't think Tommy John surgery is something that should be hindering kind of what we expect with Cade Cavalli because we talk about this huge flamboyant fastball that can really move from side to side has some movement to it on as well and he's throwing it in the upper 90s touching 100 getting strikeouts and swings and misses on it But that's not the only thing that Cade Cavalli does well in my opinion from kind of watching him down in the minors as well I saw one thing that I think really stood out was that he's got this solid curveball and that kind of breaks in the way that's going to get a ton of of swing and misses and obviously that's going to be the point of getting your curveball working but for someone who is still a young promising prospect this is not really something that you see from in your everyday minor league player prospect wherever you want to call him getting called up to the major league so seeing something like that with Kabali, number one told me that he's going to find his way eventually up in the big leagues he's going to find his way to eventually Get good numbers and get good swing and miss totals because I think that is where Cade. Excuse me, I think I think that is where Cade Cavalli will be able to separate himself from the pack a little bit here because again, this isn't Jake Irvin. Jake Irvin's a good pitcher. I've talked about him. I've raved about him on the show. I think he's going to be really good down the line for this Nationals team. But Cade Cavalli is going to be better. He's going to be that guy, in my opinion, who you could be looking at and saying can this guy be a number one, and number two starter for a good team? At this moment, I do think the number one starter thing is kind of out of question at this moment. And It's not to do with the Tommy John surgery or anything like that, but simple as this, when you kind of look at him, number one, his walk rate is still just a little high for my liking. Now, he did improve from 2021 entering 2022. And when you strike out as many batters as Cade Cavalli did down in the minors as well, you can kind of get away with some of these walks because you have this swing and miss potential, not only just with your fastball, not only just with your curveball, but his slider and his changeup as well, which are both solid pitches. But post-Tommy John surgery, this is kind of what you have to expect from him because I think this is kind of the fine line where we have to toe. If Tommy John was never in question for Cade Cavalli, then I think we'd be having a much different conversation. I think we'd be talking about how Cade Cavalli can build on from a strong 2023 season, but obviously that's not the case at this moment. But post-Tommy John surgery, these are the three things that I really, really want to get seen going for Cade Kowali because he does still have the potential, even if he's not going to be throwing that 99 to 100 mile per hour fastball. Well, number one, I do want to see what his velocity looks like because we know in the past, especially with Nationals pitchers. We've seen it with Steven Strasburg in the past. You've seen it with a ton of different guys as well in the past, but it's not every candidate that goes through this. I want to see where his fastball velocity is going to be sitting at because Steven Strasburg, not everyone's Steven Strasburg. And I think a lot of people kind of rave about the fact how, how he kind of reinvented himself in this power-throwing, gas-throwing right-handed pitcher who's someone who's kind of a or throwing 94 miles per hour in a league where... Not that many guys really throwing 94 miles per hour. A lot of these guys are now sitting in the mid to upper 90s. And so Steven Strasburg reinvented himself after being this huge promising prospect. I wouldn't expect that for Cade Cavalli. Not because he's not talented enough, but he's just not Steven Strasburg. Steven Strasburg was a generational talent. Therefore, that is probably why he kind of leaned into that a little bit more. He's got the skill set. He had the tools to do it, and so he did do it. He reinvented himself, but I think with Cade Cavalli, the fastball velocity will be important to him and kind of seeing how he gets back, how he bounces back from Tommy John surgery because it's not some easy procedure. We know this is going to be something that keeps him out for a year. He'll probably start throwing again, maybe sometime this winter, entering spring training. He should be ready to go, kind of get back into rehabbing, getting some starts under his belt, and ultimately just hopefully pitching well in the bullpens. But I think a fastball velo for Cade Cavalli is going to be a big kind of thing that I really want to watch for. See if it declined at all. I'm sure it probably will at first. This is something he can kind of gain back as time goes on, as he continues to strengthen up that elbow. But it's going to be something to watch for sure. But also, I want to see his command because we kind of talked about it a little bit here in this first segment. Cade Cavalli did walk a good amount of people. And over the course of, of his 2021 campaign, and as well as you know his 2022 campaign, he walked 4.4 batters per nine innings in 2021. And then in 2022, he did improve to 3.6 walks per nine innings, but also the strikeouts took a little bit of a dip from there from 12.8 to 9.6 Ks per nine. Regardless, I'm going to take those strikeout numbers any day of the week, but I do think the walk concerns, especially coming off of Tommy John surgery, is going to be something that you can question with him. If he's not going to have this huge 99-mile-per-hour fastball, it's going to kind of blow you away. And if he's not going to have his A stuff when it comes to his curveball and his slider and his changeup, then you're going to have to generate some outs on your on your own and as well as kind of relying on your defense, getting some ground balls, getting flyouts, all that stuff to get – defensive outs because Cade Cavalli was one of the better ones at generating outs himself, striking out a lot of guys, getting a ton of swing and misses. He did this in the university of Oklahoma as well. And he certainly did it back in the minor system for the nationals, but it's going to be something that you kind of have to watch with him, especially post Tommy John. You've seen it a lot of different times. People do struggle with command, especially for someone who I believe some scouts had him at a 45 tool for command. So obviously there's a little bit of concern there in general, but coming off Tommy John surgery, that is something that I kind of want to see him hone in on. And I think that is going to be something that he could also kind of separate himself as we've kind of talked about with other prospects with Jake Irvin, Jake Irvin at one point had a really good walk right down in the minors. I believe the best in the national system, but that is something that Cade Cavalli, even without Tommy John surgery can probably Improve on, and I think he will improve on by the way, because this guy is talented. He's not the Steven Strasburg pitching prospect back in the day who's going to reinvent himself, but he certainly could. Am I going to bet on that? Probably not. But again, I'm not going to bet against Cade Cavalli kind of bouncing back this year as well. But then also, what I want to see working on his changeup a changeup is such an effective pitch, kind of get swings and misses, generate walks, all or generate strikeouts rather. All those different things, that's kind of something along those lines that I think a lot of major leaguers should have in their belt. And his changeup, as far as what I've heard, as far as the numbers that I've seen, I think his changeup is probably his fourth best pitch. Now, that's not a bad thing. He's got good pitches. This guy's a quality pitcher. He's going to be a quality pitcher as well in my mind. But I think if you were to really solidify getting that fourth pitch or even just maybe kind of going away with your slider, Having a good third pitch like a changeup or your slider as well, I think that is something that could be effective just because of the fact that how popular changeups are nowadays in baseball. And we've seen the way that it can be effective. CC 2019 with St- Steven Strasberg, that was probably the best pitch in 2019 in all of baseball. But Cade Cavalli is certainly going to be an interesting prospect to watch down the line for the Nationals. You're not going to see all the big national headlines on him like you'll see with James Wood or Dylan Cruz, but it's also because of the fact that this guy, again, had Tommy John surgery, was expected to be in the opening day rotation. If not the opening day rotation, he would have been probably come mid-May when Jake Irvin got his call up. But Kate Cavalli is going to be an interesting name to kind of watch over the course of the next few months, see how his rehab is doing, see how he continues to kind of just get better as a prospect and grow and learn from this Nationals team. It's going to be an interesting one to say the least. But speaking of interesting, Patrick Corbin and his legacy. Before we get into his legacy and all that stuff, I will be breaking down his 2023 season. And then I do have some thoughts on the legacy of Patrick Corbin here in Washington, D.C. But before we get into that, Let me tell you guys about our good friends over at FanDuel. And guys, score early this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get... $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 Moneyline bet. That's $150 if your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action, and the app is so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. And if you've been watching the Commanders, you know to bet against them just like I will. That seems to be like a pretty damn good bet nowadays. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and kick off the NFL season. Fanduel. The official partner of the NFL. Now we get back into it as we just talked about Cade Cavalli, kind of what to expect with him, kind of debriefing on the non 2023 season, you could say, after recovering from Tommy John surgery back in spring training. But let's get into Patrick Corbin here. 2019 legend, start out right then and there. Let's take 2019 away now. What a disaster. Just what a disaster it has been for Patrick Corbin. Six years, $140 million, signed back right before 2019, helped us win the World Series. But ultimately, ever since then, it has been a little bit of a disaster. I believe at this point, he is owed $35 million entering his final year of the deal. So obviously, right then and there, you kind of hit the panic button. Is he going to live up to those expectations? Probably not. The reason why I say that, well, he hasn't done it since 2019. And at that moment in time, just kind of put into perspective, I'm sure your life has changed a little bit as well. I was 20 years old, living at home, not doing anything. I'm 23 years old, turning 24 years old. Life feels a little bit different post-pandemic. He was pre-pandemic when he was still dominating. So going into 2023, the expectations for Corbin were low. If you had a sub-5 ERA, I'll count that as a win. And really, if you had a sub-5-3 ERA, even then, I'd probably say, yeah, I'll take it. Because in 2022, he had a 6-3-1 ERA. He had the most hits in all of baseball, the most earned runs in all of baseball. And that is back-to-back years in 2021, and as well as 2022, for having the most earned runs in the entire sport. Not just the National League, but again, this is the entire major leagues. Listen, Patrick Corbin, I feel for the guy. Because number 1, you can't knock the guy for number 1 his effort, and number 2, he never never points fingers at anybody. And really, yes, he probably could have used this at time because if you look at his fielding independent pitching from years past, like for example in 2022, he had a 4.83 fielding independent pitching compared to a 6.31 ERA. Now right then and there, that tells you one thing. Number 1 the defense was bad, and that was a hundred percent true for the 2022 Nationals. You had Michael Franco botching balls over at third base. You had Luis Garcia playing shortstop, in which was never going to work out in the major leagues. You had a different culmination of second baseman kind of stepping in and doing okay stuff. You had Josh Bell over at first base for first half of the season, who really was fine over at first base, was a step up from Joey Manessis, who was there in the second half, or Luke Boyd as well. But even then, not a special fielder by any means in the imagination. And then you also had a young rookie type catcher with Keybert Ruiz, who's still getting his feet wet in the major leagues. That's just the infield. And then you had Juan Soto over in right field, left field, wherever you wanted to put him not that great of a fielder as well. Yes, he was a gold glove finalist, but we all know, come on, not a gold glover whatsoever. You had Victor Robles in the center field who kind of had a down year defensively last year as well. So Patrick Corbin, the expectations this year, listen, was it a success? No, not one bit. Having a 5-2 ERA will never be celebrated. It's something that Patrick Corbin will not celebrate. It's something the Nationals will not celebrate. But again, It is better than having a 6-3 ERA. It is better than having a 5-8 ERA. And again, as we kind of saw this year, with better defense, at times Patrick Corbin wasn't too bad. And I say that, yeah, like obviously it wasn't great. It was never great. But still at moments in time, you did kind of feel as if Patrick Corbin was turning around a little bit. But we all know the one thing here it was never going to be good again, unfortunately. And that's a mean thing to say. When you give up 33 home runs and 32 starts, what do you expect? If you're giving up the long ball, if you're walking batters, which he has walked a little bit more batters recently over the last year or so, getting less and less strikeouts compared to his 10.6 per nine innings back in 2019, he only had 6.2 this year. Listen, I don't need to break down Patrick Corbin's season. We know what happened. We know what it is. We know what to expect with him going into 2024 as well. The Nationals, they're likely at this point, 99% chance, not going to buy him out. They're not going to waste that money. They're probably just going to hope and pray that Patrick Corbin can get to around a 4-5 ERA, maybe move him at the deadline eat some money, and maybe just get a shot in the dark kind of prospect like the Nationals got with Wayne Thomas back in the day. So, number one, listen, what is there to break down? If you want me to answer this question, is he going to be in the starting rotation next year? 99% chance yes. Do I want him to be in the rotation? No. But with all the money there, someone who's going to stay healthy, someone who is still a leader in that clubhouse, there is some value in there. Maybe we don't see it every day out there on the field. Maybe we don't see it every five days on the field, but he does play a role in this Nationals clubhouse. And I can spin both those plates here because I do think in this rebuild, you kind of have to have someone like Patrick Corbin. He is your pros pro. And what I mean by that he takes the ball every five days, he doesn't throw anyone under the bus, and ultimately, he is a kind of a mentor type to a lot of different guys, and especially when we're talking about Kate Cavalli coming in. We want to see guys like Patrick Corbin, someone who has won a World Series, who has gotten the winning Game 7 of the World Series, and who has been in the playoffs. You want to see someone like that kind of Take a young prospect type like a Cavalli or Jackson Rutledge or Jake Irvin, Josiah Gray, Mackenzie Gore, kind of under their wings because we all saw the stories from the Washington Post back in the spring training. Mackenzie Gore and Patrick Corbin, they were best of buddies, and it sounded like Patrick Corbin helped Mackenzie Gore a lot, and we joke about Patrick Corbin and kind of how bad it's been over the last few years, but Patrick Corbin was one time at one point a Cy Young candidate, finishing top five in 2018 and then top 11 back in 2019 with the Nationals. And even before that, he was an all-star. This, again, I'm not trying to make it sound good for Patrick Corbin. He knows it's not good. We all know it's not good. It hasn't been good since 2019. But again, there is some value when it comes to Patrick Corbin. So now let's kind of get into some legacy talk with him because I think this is where A lot of Nationals fans disagree, and rightfully so, probably should disagree. We'll discuss that after this. Now let's get into it as discussing Patrick Corbin's legacy. And this is, again, a muddy, kind of, it's muddy water, swampy water, you could say, whatever water out there. If you were to ask me right now, would you re-sign Patrick Corbin? Knowing what has happened since 2019, would you, all right, let me rephrase that. Would you have given Patrick Corbin that massive contract back in the offseason before 2019 with everything that has transpired since then? Knowing that he got the winning game seven in the World Series, knowing that He had one of the worst ERAs since then, knowing that he's led the National League in losses over the last three years, knowing that he's had an ERA of six plus or 5.5 plus over the last few years. Yes, I still would have signed Patrick Corbin. Ryan, why would you do that? Six years, 140 million? I know, I can understand here. I understand why people are frustrated with it. I understand all of the different nuances when it comes to Patrick Corbin, why people are frustrated, and they should be. Patrick Corbin is frustrated. Maybe I'm a homer for this take, but here's what I got for you. Game 7, 2019 World Series, coming in relief, shutting the door down, getting the win for this Nationals team. Ask yourself this question. Would the 2019 Washington Nationals win the World Series without Patrick Corbin? Answer that yourself. I don't think so. I don't think the Nationals win the 2019 World Series without Patrick Corbin, besides from what he did that season. Looking at the numbers in 2019, one of his best career years, having a 3-2-5 ERA in 33 starts, pitching over 200 innings, generating a ton of strikeouts, having an ERA plus over 130. This is someone who, again, yes, he did struggle, but having those 238 strikeouts in those 200 plus innings of work, having that as your three starter, the production that he had that year and how good he was and ultimately how good he was in game seven, you don't win that World Series without 2019 Patrick Corbin. Therefore, that is why, yes, even knowing about how bad it's been recently, I would still give him that Contract because we don't know what it's like on the other side of the doorway here. We don't know what it would be like if you don't sign Patrick Corbin because this is what we do know. Again, I truly do not believe we win that World Series without Patrick Corbin. Now, yes, it's obviously not just going to be seen in a vacuum like that, but six years, 140 million, right off the bat, you say that is a loss of a contract. But would you do it again? I think. Mike Rizzo would probably say a hundred times out of hundred, yes, I would, because of what he did helping us in that postseason, getting the win, kind of being that franchise guy that you would hopefully look up to, hopefully kind of see, and and maybe he just bounces back. But at this point, entering his final final year of that six year deal, you can't really expect him to bounce back after this. But I would be signing that extension, yeah, or contract yet again. Thank you guys for making Locked On Nationals your first listen every single day as we are free and available wherever you get your podcast. And of course, catch us over on YouTube, search Locked On Nationals there. That is where you will find the show. I'll catch you guys on the flip side. Game four of the World Series tonight, Max Scherzer had a little back stiffness last night. Not great to see. Hopefully they can bounce back tonight, make this series, the Diamondbacks meaning, bounce back, make it a 2-2 series. Going into a game five, it'll be an interesting one if the D-backs win tonight. I'll catch you guys on the flip side. Have a good one.